Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changes, you are absolutely in the right place. Okay, am I a real human being talking to you? Am I a chatbot? Am I aka Radio Red the Bot? Well, you're going to find out. I have an interesting buzz quote for you. Listen to this. This is a quote from Catherine M. Valenti from her book, Silently and Very Fast. She's an American fiction writer, poet, and literary critic. She's won all kinds of awards for her speculative fiction novels. There's a clue. Here's the quote from a very long passage. Can a machine converse with a human with enough facility that the human could not tell that she was talking to a machine? Aha, interesting. You know where I'm going with this. So here's the scoop. Welcome to the era of conversational AI. And yes, I am a real person talking to you. This is not a bot. It's also called NLP. That's natural language processing. It's the branch of artificial intelligence that focuses on enabling computers to understand human language. You may already be using it through chatbots. You have invited them into your daily life in your home. Come on. You either know of or own something to do with Amazon. Amazon's Alexa, maybe Apple's Siri, Microsoft's Cortana, Google Home, more and more are coming down the pike. Now, aha, an aha moment, maybe a eureka. Businesses are waking up to the opportunities the conversational AI offers to do a couple of things, streamline their internal processes, as well as expanding their external brand impact, and maybe, just maybe, improving the customer service experience. Wouldn't that be wonderful? So the question to all of you listening out there around the world, our global audience here on the Business Channel. Is your company shyly waiting on the sidelines? Well, what are you waiting for? As I say at the end of the show, what are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Let's learn why it's time for you, your organization, your industry to join the conversation. I am welcoming back two very, very smart special guests who were on this topic last week on a different Game Changer series. Let me tell you who they are and then we'll get started. First up, I'll be introducing you in a moment to Samir Patel. He's the product owner on the SAP Leonardo Conversational AI Foundation, which makes him perfect for this topic, and a member of the Silicon Valley Next Talent Rotational Program at SAP. Interesting. And joining him on the panel is Piyush Chandra, Senior Director for Product Management at Innovation Center Network at SAP. They both have a lot to say on conversational AI. So I'm welcoming Samir, and he has sent us this time a quote from Sir Alex Ferguson. I didn't know who that was. Sir Alexander Chapman Ferguson, CBE, born in 1941, is a Scottish former football manager and player who managed Manchester United from 1986 to 2013. He is regarded by everyone in the industry as one of the greatest and most successful managers of all time. Here is the quote. At the end of this game, the European Cup will be only six feet away from you and you'll not even be able to touch it if we lose. And for many of you, that will be the closest you will ever get. Don't you dare come back in here without giving your all. Samir Patel, I think I just read a pep talk. How are you, Samir? Welcome back. 
I am great. Thank you, Bonnie. Yeah, that was, it's, uh, it certainly is a, is a pep talk in its finest. Uh, Sir Alex Ferguson is definitely uh, one of my uh, all-time, uh, you know, he's up there on my pedestal. I, uh, I really respect him for the way he led Manchester United. Uh, if you ever have a chance to read his biography, uh, co-authored with Michael Moritz from Sequoia, it's absolutely a fascinating read. It really shows you how he led his teams through the ups and downs and really uh, what made them all successful. And I think the gist of this quote really translates to conversational AI. Uh, we face some really difficult challenges uh, when it comes to even, basing the, even building the most basic chatbots. And so we have to be relentless in what we do. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to try many different approaches. A lot of them might not work, but in so long as we're relentless and we keep a positive attitude, you know, what we view as obstacles today will become victories tomorrow, and that will just usher in a whole new era of technology, innovation, and experiences for people worldwide. Interesting. And thank you for that, Samir. I was fascinated by the quote. So so let's talk just for a moment here before we introduce Piyush with his also wonderful quote. Um, question is, when he says, don't you dare come back in here without giving your all, would that be a message? Uh, in my opening, Samir, I'm doing a, basically a, a hearkening, a, a cry, a call to action to companies that are not on board yet. And that's what you and I and, and Piyush are going to talk about is why. What's the business value? What will it do for internal efficiencies? What will it do for external efficiencies and brand impact? So we have a lot to talk about. But do you think it's a, a do-or-die time for companies now, Samir, to embrace at least the concept of conversational AI if you have it? If if they haven't yet, what do you think? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. I don't know if it's necessarily a do-or-die time, but I think it's definitely a time for, hey, let's, uh, let's try something out of the box. You know, let's be bold. Let's be visionary. Let's really go out of our comfort zone and really explore these new areas. We're at a time when, uh, you know, the developer ecosystem is growing so large and so many technologies that were so difficult to use before are now Literally, you can go online, Google search something, and just download an API or a web kit and really start developing on your own today, even if you're somebody without a technical background. So really, it's, we have the opportunity. Let's convert it as much as we possibly can, and don't be afraid to really put yourself outside of your comfort zone. Thank you very much. Good. That, that's what I was looking for, that, that push, that sense of maybe not do or die. I overstated that, but that urgency. You know, we talk very often on our, our business focus shows, uh, Samir, about not being left behind, not being a laggard, not being an also ran or me too after, basically after uh, the horses left the barn, you know. So we want companies Absolutely. to understand that there there is something. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Thank you so much for joining me again. We did part one of this topic just a few days ago. So I'm delighted to have you and Piyush back. And Piyush, I'm, I am uh, chanting your name here, Piyush Chandra. And Piyush has sent us a quote from Anna C. Brackett, B-R-A-C-K-E-T-T. I didn't know who she was either. 1836 to 1911, a female philosopher known for being a translator, feminist, and educator. And what's very interesting is she wrote the book, The Education of American Girls. And she said way 
back in the day, and I remember she passed away in 1911, uh, she said, if undereducated and untrained in abstract thinking, women are at risk of becoming arbitrary if they become active in public affairs. She had a lot to talk about the need to educate women way, way back in the day. But here is the quote. Uh, and, and Pierce, this quote you selected from Anna Brackett is so perfect for a topic, and I'm going to ask you to interpret it. So she said, the more we reduce ourselves to machines in the lower things, the more force we shall set free to use in the higher. That's a little bit uh, coded, I think, in there. Piyush Chandra, welcome back. How are you? I'm good, Bonnie. Thank you. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for asking. I love the quote. Why don't you pull the threads out of it, pull the buzzwords out of it, and tell us she used machines. As she was writing probably in the late 1800s, she used the word machines, not knowing we would be pulling her quote for our talk today. So go ahead, Piyush. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So the reason I, I love this quote is because, as you as you were rightly pointing out, Bonnie, this, was, uh, this thought emerged maybe... 150 or maybe 200 years ago, almost 200 years ago. So just look at this quote. Even 200 years ago when we cannot even imagine all the gadgets and machines we live, uh, live with today, all the technology that we have today, it wasn't even there. But people were still worried about machines taking over and what do we do with machines. And this is such a wonderful quote that back then this wonderful lady she could see the future. She could, she could, she could think. She could, she could clearly see that machines are only gonna help us because what we can do with machines is we can automate things which are mundane and which don't really need a lot of creative thinking. And the more we can do that, we can liberate ourselves as a race to think about or to do more creative things and, and come up with better and newer ideas and just keep constantly evolving. And if you look at human evolution, isn't that what we have done? We have constantly come up with new inventions and new technologies, new ideas, and we have tamed those ideas and tamed nature and uh, and uh, uh, and created a world where things change at such a rapid pace. If if you go back ten years, nobody could have thought about natural language processing and having digital assistants so commonplace, but they are everywhere now. So this is. This is the essence of this quote that don't worry about the technology. Technology is only going to help you become more productive and, and a better human being. This is, this, all technology around us is only going to create this world a better place for all of us. And the second thing I want to highlight about this quote is that I purposefully chose this quote from, uh, from Anna because I'm a big fan of hers. And I also want to highlight this fact that almost 200 years ago, there was a woman who was thinking about all the profound changes technologies can bring in our lives. And I want to dedicate this quote to all the women in technology. Wow. <laughs> I'm almost in tears, Piyush. That was beautiful. That was just beautiful. I, I did my research on her, as you know I always do, on, on the sources of our guests' opening quotes. And I was surprised at how ahead of her time she was talking about women need to be able to grow outside the home. If they don't, they'll be ineffective in the public realm, and they'll perpetuate the stereotype of the incompetent woman. And as you so wonderfully drew that up to the present time, Piyush, uh, there, there is 
so much press today on equality, equal opportunity, but women who are really smart in the technology field getting an opportunity. So these women are the ones she was talking about. They do not sit home and say, oh, poor me. They are out there educated. They're smart. They're taking STEM classes. They're leaders, and they're definitely not going to be uh, not going to allow themselves to be exploited by anybody. They're looking to contribute. Thank you so much. You know, Piyush, I have to send that quote to the people uh, who sponsored the series Changing the Game with HR, who are very, very big on equality, especially in Silicon Valley. So I'm going to inclusion and diversity. Those are our favorite topics on that show. Thank you both. Now, Samir. I don't remember quite. Oh, you're the one who told me you love to drink chocolate milk on our show last Thursday, right? On Internet of Things with Game Changers. Is that you? Exactly. I love my chocolate milk. I need a different drink from you. This is a different show. So I'm going to say, what's in your cup today or what do you love to drink? Give me a little spin on something interesting. And where were you calling from today, Samir? Certainly. So I'm calling you from bright and sunny Palo Alto, California. Um, Actually, right after the show, I'm going to go upstairs and make myself a nice cup of chamomile lemon tea. I I love citrus-flavored beverages, and sometimes in the nice cold morning, you need a little bit of a wake-up call just from a warm drink. And I love the chamomile chamomile lemon tea that they have here at the office. That's nice to know. Is it in a tea machine or is it a combo coffee tea machine? Because I always have trouble with those. No, it's actually just its own tea bag. you know, oh, not not, not a machine in particular. <laughs> we try to you know what I'm talking about. The we machines that... The just a little analog here. <laughs> there you go. You know what I'm talking about. The machines where you select coffee or tea and the tea always tastes like it has coffee. I'm sorry. I've just never never gotten past that in a machine. The old-fashioned tea bag way. Well, wow. Thank you for that. And I appreciate your coming up with a different drink just for me. Thank you very much. Chamomile lemon. Very, very interesting. By the way, is it cold there in uh, in California this morning? I guess it's cold by my standards. I'm uh, I'm a little bit of a softy being from Florida, so I appreciate the warm ah, weather. Ah, okay, I'll tell you what our weather is here in a few minutes. It, it may surprise you. Okay, and Piyush Chandra, where are you calling from, and what are you drinking today? It's a little bit different from our time together last week. Well, believe it or not, I'm also calling from Palo Alto. <laughs> um, and last time I, I remember we talked about uh, I that I was looking forward to having my glass of IPA. I'm not going to talk about that because then people might start thinking that I have some drinking issues or something. No. So, <laughs> I won't so, let them say that. I won't let them. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but today is, uh, it looks like uh, a really long day uh, at work for me. So uh, what I do on such long days is I don't have time to go home and uh, cook a nice dinner. So I have become a pretty big fan of smoothies. So what I do is I put a bunch of uh, vegetables and fruits uh, in my mixer and add some uh, protein powder to it. And that is uh, my dinner and that is my drink. So that is what I'm looking forward to. And I call it my lean, mean, green monster. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Lean, green, mean monster. Okay, we'll have to remember that. Thank you very much for sharing that. Well, I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. It is a magnificent sunny day. We've had clouds. We've had rain for several days. I just moved here about seven weeks ago, and the wind is blowing slightly. The trees in my front yard are blowing, and the the, uh, water is sparkling like diamonds on the 
pond out in my backyard. But what's interesting is it is C-O-L-D, cold outside. It feels like it's probably early 50s, low 50s, high 40s, and uh, I'm shocked because this is the coldest weather since I got here. So time to to find where the coats are. Yes, it is. And of course, they don't let me have caffeine on radio show days, but gentlemen, don't tell anybody. I had a little leftover uh, special flavor of my Nespresso. They had a a new seasonal variety. It was some kind of Cuban coffee, Cubano, and I had a little leftover cold in the fridge from yesterday. So I put that into my milkshake, which was uh, 2% milk, Um, an ice cube, a little bit of agave syrup, a teaspoon of unflavored cocoa powder, half a banana, and about three tablespoons of the coffee and blend it up in a little one-serve Hamilton Beach mixer. You know the kind where you push the little on-off button, you push the the pulse button, and uh, that was delicious. So I did have a little tiny bit of caffeine, but hopefully you can't tell the difference. So I want to say we are having a very interesting conversation, and our topic is conversational AI, also known as NLP, Natural Language Processing. Machines are learning to talk like us, to reflect our values, our personas, our language preferences. Many, many chatbots are around. You, Many of you out there probably already use them or you've heard of them or you've been somewhere where uh, people have, a, have an Alexa and they'll say, Alexa, turn on the lights. No, the other lights. Okay, Siri, do this, do that. So we have welcomed them into our private personal lives, however... Businesses are waking up to the fact that there are advantages with business value to welcoming conversational AI into their quote-unquote ranks. We're talking to two specialists in this field. We have Samir Patel and Piyush Chandra, both at SAP, both very smart, and we have an awful lot to talk about. So we're going to take a quick break. Yes, we're a little bit early. Going to take a quick break. Let them have the pause that refreshes. And Samir is drinking his, um, yes, he's drinking his chamomile lemon tea instead of chocolate milk today. And Piyush is drinking some kind of a lean, green, mean machine drink. And it sounds delicious and very nutritious. I'm jealous. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I plan to be after the break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We You'll be right back. And Inde Game is tweeting. Thank you very much, Inde. Always happy to see you there. And Brad Borkin as well. If you know anybody interested in this topic, well, everybody should be. You can find us tweeting at hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. On that note, we'll welcome our new engineer, Aaron. He's going to be with us for a long time to come. So, Aaron, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. An unprecedented pace of change, driven by exciting technology advances like the Internet of Things, is disrupting your industry and every other industry around the globe. Your future business success will be influenced by your ability to understand and harness these innovations and many more. Mobile devices instantaneously connecting the world populations, robotics, 3D printing, and self-driving cars. The sharing economy and ubiquitous global business networks. Reality Check. The future is happening right now. Join us for insights from industry experts on what it all means for your business and your daily life. The Future of the Future with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. 
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to the future of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of the future with Game Changers. Exactly right. We're here talking. We're having a conversation about conversational AI, the branch of AI that focuses on enabling computers to understand and speak human language. That's what we all want, somebody to hear us, respond to us, and empathize with us. And empathy is our key word for our next topic. I'm speaking with Samir Patel and Piyush Chandra, both at SAP. And here is where Samir wants to start the roundtable. He told me the following, very interesting in his notes before the show. Quote, empathy for customers drives innovation in conversational AI by emphasizing the client above all. Okay. Samir, why don't you tell us more? Yes, absolutely, Bonnie. So I think, you know, in technology, especially in innovation, it's very easy to get caught up in just the nuances of the technology and just developing new ideas, new types of applications, new types of hardware, software, you name it without really having a use case in mind, just simply because it's so cool to be in, in all this technology. You know, it's almost in some ways like being a, a kid in a candy store. You see all the new hardware coming out, all these new software applications, you know, from TensorFlow by Google to all the new GPUs from NVIDIA. It's very easy to just want to build something just for the sake of building something, just seeing all that raw technology harnessed. But I think especially... Uh, for, the, for those of us who actually do this in the technology industry, we have to be very sure that when we look at these technologies, we keep the scope of their applications with respect to our customers in mind. We have incredible amounts of computational power now. We have incredible amounts of just research and, and algorithms at our disposal. The, the onus is now on us to figure out how we might actually deploy these to be of benefit to our customers, right? So when we think about these innovations, it's very important that we go out, we sit with customers, we have meaningful conversations with them, we really try to understand their pain points, their frustrations, mm-hmm. what, where they would see advantage of these technologies, and then we try to build those into our applications, our software, our hardware. That way, that when these solutions are actually there and harnessing that full power, they actually find some sort of sustainable use case that will ensure they just don't go out the wayside and that they're there for a long time and consistently delivering value. And, you know, when we think about the work we do in our team, uh, Mm -hmm. very much so our work with our stakeholders really influences our innovation roadmap in great detail. Uh, It's of high priority to us that we incorporate what our customers are telling us because ultimately they actually have a lot of knowledge and a lot of great ideas that even though they might not be experimenting with this technology, we can then make the connection like, oh, hey, this stakeholder thinks this might be useful. We should actually explore this in the context of our roadmap with this type of technology and conversational AI. 
Thank you very much. Let's turn to Piyush Chandra, our other panelists today. Piyush, agree or disagree with the interesting points Samir brought up for us? Uh, yes, absolutely. I agree with uh, parts of it, but then I think it goes beyond, and I'll explain why. Mm-hmm. So, yes, absolutely. We need to, uh, and not just we, I think uh, what I mean is that companies need to innovate with purpose. They need to uh, build solutions which, are actually, which will actually be used by customers. So what we do is uh, there's a process called design thinking, which not only looks at new technologies, but it also looks at, is it uh, viable from a business point of view? And also looks at the third angle, which is actually one of the most overlooked uh, uh, concepts in software design, which is called desirability. Is this something which will be used and embraced by the end user? So if you follow this process, then you can come up with innovations which are uh, technologically feasible and they have business viability. And at the same time, they are desired by end users. So that is... That is the innovation mind frame we need to have. But at the same time, and this is, I have been practicing design thinking for many years, and uh, to be honest, I have, in theory, it's a very nice concept that, hey, we mm-hmm. go, go to our customers, we understand their pain points, we understand their wish list, and then we know the technology, and voila, here we go, there is an innovation right there. But it is not that simple, because when you talk to a lot of, a lot of end users, they are so uh, they are, they are so connected with their day to day life that they are not able to think beyond. They are not able to think what this technology can do. They can only think what they do on a day in day out basis. So sometimes we have to show them the future, the art of the possible, and this is what opens up their brains to, oh, wow, I never thought of this thing. And this is, this is exactly what innovators like Samir and I are supposed to be doing. We are, we, are, we are supposed to understand all these emerging technologies, work with our customers and understand what they, did, what they do on a daily basis, and then help them see beyond their daily routine so that they can work with us and we can work with them to come up with these ideas that can make life uh, easier and simpler and better for all of us. Thank you very much, uh, Piyush. Very interesting comments. Samir, anything you want to add to that one before I move on to uh, something that we, we're going to pick up some notes here from Piyush? Sure, yeah, absolutely. So I would say a couple of things. So one is, mm-hmm. um, you know, as Piyush mentioned, we have to show them the light. Um, I think, yes, we have to show them the light, but it's also the onus is on us that even if, you know, they might not see us on a day-to-day and, you know, they have many different problems, you know, that's why the onus is on us, especially when we think about design and design thinking and empathy. The onus is on us to sort of, I would say, in some respects, hold their hands and sort of guide them through this process. Uh, I think that's the, that's the beauty of, you know, when you're on a product team is you really get that opportunity to really inspire your customers by really being with them on every step of this journey. So I wouldn't say that... Uh, yes, customers have a lot of problems. They might have a lot of pain points. It might be hard to pinpoint, but that's where the onus is then on you if you're developing a product to really guide your customers through that process. Thank you very much. Uh, interesting thread there. I, I want to move into, we, we've mentioned the word customers. I want to move into 
the fact that we're part of our focus today is not only on the familiar, the chatbots as we know them in our daily lives, but let's talk about the benefits to business. So I'm looking here at Piyush Chandra's notes, and Piyush, I'm going to read a very broad statement here, and then I'd like you to focus on, if you have some examples or case studies, would be great. You say, conversational AI is fundamentally transforming our world and delivering benefits to organizations and individuals alike. Let's talk about organizations. So got any good case studies you want to share with us where we want to know where the business benefits are. Piyush? Oh, absolutely, Bonnie. I, I think the business benefits are all over the place. So I'll, I'll give you a few examples. Now, one of the uh, uh, most relevant examples is uh, all the support tickets that are generated within an organization, whether they are for HR-related requests, like how do I add a dependent to my plan and uh, how can how can I change my 401k contribution and I want to apply for a leave request, what's the process? Or whether they are IT-related uh, uh, issues, like I need access to that system, how can I do that? And uh, I'm locked out of this, uh, this, uh, this system. Can someone please help me reset my password? All these, uh, all such tickets, they amount to almost 45 to 50% of all the tickets that are generated within any large organization. Hmm. Now, it takes at least a few days for someone to have a look at this thing. Okay, there is a ticket in this queue that I need to resolve, and then they'll come back to you and say, okay, so you got locked out of system. How did this happen? And blah, blah, blah. And then there is some back and forth, and it, it takes a few days for a simple thing like resetting a password now, if you think about it, if you are locked out of a system and you have realized that you are locked out, of course you wanted to use that system. So now mm-hmm. while you are waiting for this uh, issue to get resolved, there is significant productivity loss because you cannot do anything. Now, mm-hmm. this, all these processes like leave requests, adding a dependent to, a, uh, to, to, to an insurance plan or access grant to a system, these are all very well-defined processes. These are not subjective processes. They are very uh, uh, objective processes which are very clearly defined, and we don't see any reason why they cannot be automated, why we cannot have a digital assistant who is able to interact with you 24-7, by the way. This is, there is no uh, mm-hmm. lead time. You contact yeah. this digital assistant, and that <laughs> he or she is always there to answer your questions and to help you. And then you can save, save these hours and hours of productivity loss. The other, uh, other thing that, that, that is really critical is, you know, in a typical 40-hour work week, uh, uh, a typical employee spends around 17 hours in either reading emails or writing emails. Now, if you are... If, <laughs> If you have seen those emails where people just keep going on and on and on, and then at the bottom of the email, there is one action item that they want you to take. But this is human nature, right? We, if there is something that's not very nice or if we are asking for some favor, we try to go, we try to take a roundabout way so that it appears nice, right? So this is, this is our tendency. Now, 17 hours out of 40 hours a week, that is significant, now, using natural language processing and conversational AI, what we can do is we can have digital assistants that are constantly reading, reading all your emails, and they are able to 
synthesize and summarize them so that you don't have to spend 10 minutes to read one line that was meaningful for you. So that is something they can do. And secondly, and this is something you would have already seen on, uh, if you use Google Mail, then uh, you would have seen that sometimes when you read an email, and there's a chain of email, it will suggest you a response that this is what you should say. Uh-huh. And this is significant because if we can bring this to not just in consumer uh, email applications, but also to uh, enterprise email applications, this can save a significant amount of time. And this is by no means saying that, oh, this digital assistant can then go ahead and take care of all your emails and uh, you don't even have to worry about it. It's not like that. What the... Uh, assistant can do is summarize your emails and uh, propose responses and then it's up to you if you want to accept those uh, summaries and responses or not it's totally up to you so what the technology can do is augment you not really replace you very interesting your your words are very well chosen augment, not replace. And we're going to cover that a little bit later in the conversation. For those of you out there who are worried and saying, conversational AI is going to take away my job. Well, maybe it will free you up as as the quote from, uh, let's see, our quote, our opening quote from, I'm trying to find her name, Anna C. Brackett. Uh, we, the more we reduce ourselves to machines in the lower things, the more force we shall set free to use in the higher things. Very well put, Piyush. Samir, love to get your thoughts. Agree or disagree with uh, some interesting concepts advanced here by Piyush. Samir? Yeah, I'd agree to a certain extent. I think right now what, what Piyush mentioned in the, in the realm of customer service I think is going to be the near-term uh, business, business case that really benefits from this. But I think far out, I would look to things like, you know, standalone robotics, augmented reality. I think that's where we're really going to see the benefits of conversation AI really come to play. Uh, you know, right now we have all these technologies. We're looking at problems where we have existing solutions, but they're just not good enough. And that's where conversation AI is really going to step up and make a difference. But looking 5, 10, 15 years out, Conversation. There are technologies out there. For example, augmented reality is just now beginning to come to market. Right? You have the Microsoft Hololens. You have the Epson Movario. You have the different work that Google is doing in its respect. You even have Apple just released the AR kit. Right? You have augmented reality coming right now. But in three to five years' time, augmented reality itself will present new areas of challenges where conversational AI can potentially be helpful. Right? Because from augmented reality you're projecting actual images or graphics onto the real world. And conversational AI has the ability to help you modify that augmented reality without ever having to use your hands or any sort of physical motion outside of just the, move, the movement of your jaw. And so, you know, as we, as we go down this path, I think the business benefits and business cases where conversational AI can have a really big impact I don't think we've only just scratched the surface yet. I think the exciting stuff is going to happen five, ten years down the road when these new technologies are just taking ground and giving us entirely new problems to solve from user interaction to user capabilities to augmenting us. I think that's where the real nitty-gritty, the real meat of the, of the benefits of conversational AI will be realized. Thank you very much. Really good example. Very, very interesting. Piyush, any comments on what Samir just added? 
Yes, absolutely. Oh, good. Um, so in the in the last episode, Bonnie, we talked about uh, NLP uh, NLP's history and and the, and the fact that it has gone through so many hot and cold phases. And to be honest, no technology matures over overnight. It takes a long uh, amount of time and dedicated. Uh, uh, Work by a lot of uh, people from different aspects, uh, from from academia, from businesses, from design uh, point of view as well, and also from uh, companies who are willing to invest money in all this uh, research. Now, I'm saying all this because NLP today is ready for uh, for, for for its uh, for its day, and uh, it's it's a mature technology, and businesses are already looking at this technology as something that can help them solve a lot of problems and deliver real business value. At the same time, uh, yes, there is a lot of interest around uh, augmented and virtual reality as well. But in my opinion, uh, AR and VR, they are, they are still emerging technologies. They haven't gone through any hot and cold phases. So, so I, I'll be surprised if... Uh, that technology can actually be combined with NLP already. I think it'll take at least a few more years before uh, AR, VR have, have matured enough. And secondly, we also need to think about uh, their actual business value. So, yes, they are wonderful for gaming and for watching movies and maybe also to make phone calls with your friends and families. But is it really helping you uh, in business context? Probably not. So, when I was growing up, I I was really <laughs> I was really intrigued by one quote that goes like necessity is the mother of invention. Mm-hmm. And at this point, at least in in business context, I don't see any necessity for AR VR. Yes, they are good technologies for consumer space, but for enterprise space, we do not really have uh, use cases today. And that is by no means saying that in future we won't have any use cases. We might, but today I think the focus is on using conversational AI and natural language processing to help people with, their, with the things they do today. And there are a lot of things where NLP can already help, and that is our focus. Thank you very much. Very interesting. That was Piyush, correct? Yes, that was Piyush. Yes. Samir. I'm going back to you. Let's go a little bit deeper into the business value, the business benefits. I'm looking at your notes. We still have all about 11 minutes till we go to our predictions, but I think we've been predicting all along. I think the future of the future, we've been talking future all the way through the show so far. Samir, very interesting comment. You said to me, conversational AI is simplifying software architecture. So without getting into deep weeds, bits and bites, tell me what this means. I think the business value is where we're, what we're looking for here. Go ahead, Samir. Sure. So if you think about it, conversational AI is a way of interacting with a machine, right? Now, Piyush had actually mentioned back earlier in this conversation that, you know, examples might be business case, or sorry, excuse me, might be placing, requesting leave or how to change your 401k allocation. Now, from an end user perspective, you log onto the screen, you go into the software, you begin to type in, you, you're going to click through some windows, wait for some things to load, you might get the buffering, the dreaded buffering sign, and then things continue, right? Now, with conversational AI, you basically cut through all of these steps together. Because with conversational AI, you figure out what the user is intending to do, 
mm-hmm. what exactly the important entities are that would actually be needed to handle that intent, and then you continue forward. With the current software architectures, in the case of, let's say, your 401k allocation, right, you'd have to first go to the website, type in your username and your password. Then you'd be brought to another screen where you have to actually click on your see my account or see my portfolio allocations. Then you go to your portfolio allocations, right? Now on your portfolio allocations page, you have to query, they have, the backend has to query a database, has to retrieve your current allocation information and the notional amount you have in each area and display that on a screen. So not just from the user, behind the user interface, there's so many different things going on on the back end, not mm-hmm. the least withstanding the authentication and all the different requests have to go back and forth between your computer, the server, and then the back end, the databases where this information lies. There is so much work that goes into developing this entire system when very simply all you want to do is just either see your allocation or just make a change to it, right? And so let's, let's just talk about all the different folks who are involved in that aspect. You have the design team, because they have to design the entire user interface you're interacting with. Then you have a front-end engineering team that has to put together that entire interface from in, a, in the code perspective. Then you probably have some sort of full-stack team that's going to connect your front-end to the back-end. And then you have the back-end database service team, which is going to handle everything from authorizations to database structure to architecture, all of this. This is a lot of work that has to go into just a very simple aspect of, I just want to change my account allocation. Mm -hmm. And then this is not including everybody who has to now update those, keep those updated. Are we showing the relevant information? Is everything up to date, et cetera? Conversationally, I have the ability to just say, okay, you know what? If you just want to very simply change your allocation in, in two chat lines, you can do that. First chat line is, I want to change my allocation from X to X or X to Y. And the second conversation is, here are my credentials that will allow you to verify my background, my identity, and allow me to actually change my 401k allocation. We just replaced an entire line of software architecturing, software cycle, development cycle, design cycle cycles with two lines in a chat window. That is, a simplification of, that is the simplification of the software architecture. And then on the other side, as a user, I don't have to actually think, what are the steps I have to do to actually change my 401k allocation? I just simply go to the chat window and say, this is what I want to do. You figure out how this is going to be done. And that then trans, that increases the value of the experience to the user and helps that business or that company that's selling this product actually earn their users' respect, interest, and increases mm-hmm. the engagement and the positive interactions they have with that user. I- interesting. Uh, this is directed, my comment, to both Piyush and Samir. Recently, a member of my team at SAP had an experience with what he wasn't sure was a human or an AI chatbot on a customer service uh, opportunity, let's just say. And he captured some of the dialogue, and he sent it to us in an email and said, was I speaking to a human or was I speaking to a bot? And the team voted based on what we thought the humanistic qualities were of the responses back and forth. And it's interesting. This is a, a high-level team. Many of us are writers. We're, we're, uh, there are bloggers. There were researchers. Uh, and we were divided. 
We couldn't tell, Piyush and Samir, we couldn't really tell whether it was bot or person. Because of the nature of the responses, I thought it was probably a very clever, well-trained bot with a great depth of, of knowledge and conversational AI, well-trained in, in having a human-style conversation. But there were people who were convinced it was a bot. So is it important? Let me just throw this out now. Uh, we do have a few more minutes. Piyush, uh, let me go to Samir first. Samir, do you think that we know when we're talking to a bot, and does it make any difference if it's effective? And as I said in my opening, if it's going to improve the customer service experience and give companies a better reputation for good customer service, does it matter? What do you think, Samir? Bonnie, I absolutely, I absolutely think it matters. So I, I'll, uh, I'll give you an example. So the other yeah. day, uh, I had to change my, some aspects of my flight uh, that I was about to embark on the following day. And uh, I, I called the airlines. I won't embarrass the airlines. So I'm not going to give their name. <laughs> okay. We but, don't do that um, here. So thank you. What I call, I call yeah. that no smashing, bashing, or trashing. Don't throw any airplanes under the bus. Go ahead. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I did call this airlines hotline. And I was, sitting on the air, I, was, I was sitting on the line. I kept saying I would like to put in my ID number. And it just didn't understand me. So finally, I just started saying live agent, live agent, live agent. I must have said live agent a dozen times, and then it finally transferred me to a live agent. I think very much the consumer is aware sometimes that they are talking to a bot or uh, a virtual agent, and it just does not give good customer service. Mm. Part, of the, part of the beauty of conversational AI and really some of the challenges we face are designing these, architecting these bots, virtual agents, digital assistants, whatever have you, to try and give a true human experience to the customer. If it's simply just back and forth rule dialogues and mm-hmm. you know, canned conversations, that begins to feel very stale and very unnatural. And especially in a situation where the customer is already calling about uh, service issues or problems they have, and then you go and you give this unnatural, unhuman, ex- inhuman e- experience, that yields even worse user experience. So it is incredibly important to really focus on the human nature aspect of this, the design aspect, the empathy with the end user. And so, yes, chatbots in some cases are useful, but in certain instances, having that human aspect is incredibly important to creating that positive customer experience. Very interesting. Piyush, I'll let you come in with your point of view. What do you think? Have you had those experiences, and what do you think? Yeah, I think all of us have had those experiences. That is, uh, I totally agree with Samir there. Um, You know, we live in a world where, to be honest, there is uh, there there isn't a lot of uh, uh, close friendship between uh, an average person and big organizations, right? So there's already this mistrust that okay, you are out there to uh, take advantage of me and all this stuff. And technology is is one of the tools, one of the few tools we have to build trust, and we should use it wisely. And I agree with Samir that if we try to give this impression that you're talking to a human person, but you keep repeating that I want to enter my ID number and it's not understanding, then, then you feel cheated, you feel betrayed. And yeah. this feeling that, oh, okay, everybody's taking me for a ride, this, this feeling just keeps getting uh, strengthened over time. We can, 
we, we can defeat this. We can use technology wisely and honestly and tell, tell people that, hey, you're using, at this point, you're interacting with the technology, but you can talk to a human person as well. That is an, that's an option. But you try it out, and it's going to only make things better for you because now you don't have to wait in line for 10 minutes before the next agent is available, yeah. and you don't have to interact to, uh, through the IVR and 10 different menus before you can actually reach the point you want to be. And this technology, yes. technology is going to help you. So this is, this is what we can do. And I, I think if we, we are just wise about it and we, we are able to uh, use it in, in the right way, I think we can, we, we can make a lot of difference with this technology. Let me read a little bit here to both of you from an article last year I just found. Uh, you know I love to Google stuff while we're talking. TechCrunch, this is from 2016. And let me just quote a comment, get a quick comment from both of you. The article says, chat is a better medium than the phone for most people, especially younger people. I'm not sure about that. But they say, but it doesn't solve everything. An inarticulate consumer is going to be inarticulate over chat. A rep who's having a bad day is going to be just as inflexible and unsympathetic in a chat. Changing the medium isn't always a silver bullet for customer service, but bots can help. So interestingly enough, they can gather information for the eventual interaction with a human rep, understand what happened and what the consumer wants, and even be empowered to solve some basic issues automatically. What do you think of that? A quick uh, agree or disagree, Piyush? Uh I, I partially agree with that because I think it's looking at technology in a limited way. So the the beauty of this technology is not just being able to communicate like like a human being, but as Samir was pointing out uh, some time ago, it's also analyzing a lot of data in the back. And yep. this is contextual data. This is the data of the person this technology is interacting with right now. So if there is an inarticulate, inarticulate person on the other end, the technology knows that this is how this person talks, or maybe yeah. this person is articulate in general, but today is being inarticulate. But then we have this data from thousands of other users who have at some point be, uh, been uh, inarticulate. Yes. And then we can learn that this is how we are supposed to, this is how the uh, technology is supposed to respond in, in, in such situations. So technology goes beyond, uh, uh, beyond what is possible uh, in, in, in the life we know as of now. I think technology can go beyond uh, one human being and it can look at so many other interactions that are happening in parallel or have happened in the past and it can tell the human agent that, hey, this is this happening right now and so-and-so person there handled it this way and this went right. So this is probably the right way of handling. So technology, I, I think this article is looking at this technology in a limited way, which, which is fine, but I think in future we are able to, we will be able to go beyond uh, this limitation. Thank you. Samir, quick comment from you, and technically we're already in our crystal ball predictions round. So, Samir, why don't we combine your comments on uh, my example of uh, an inarticulate consumer and a customer service rep on the phone in a bad mood. Uh, let's combine that with a future look. You can use that as a jumping off point or completely change the subject. So, Samir Patel, I'm going to give you a whole big 90 seconds for your predictions, and I'm just going to say go. Sounds good, Bonnie. So I actually view conversational AI and really any technology-related AI is very similar to how we started off as children then became teenagers, young adults, and then 
you know, I guess I like to consider myself a more mature, older person now. <laughs> I, <laughs> no I comment. I'm supposed to be the more mature, later. older person. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm sorry, go I, ahead. I would say that's exactly what conversational AI is. I think, you know, just how Peach mentioned, you know, it's sort of on, on us to understand what the user is trying to say. I think our own formative experiences, we've had to interact with many people, many different types of conversations and learn this is what this person means or this is what this person means in this context. And I think that's the same thing with conversational AI. I think we're getting to the point where eventually we'll have standalone systems that we can interact with. Those systems will just over time interact with more people, learn more without any human intervention needed on their Mm -hmm. brains, on their interfaces, their backends. And I think that will just lead to a whole other era of machine, true machine learning through this AI uh, interface. And I think that's going to be the most exciting part is when machines now are almost growing like humans and they're able to complement us in a way that's very similar to the formative experiences we went through as humans. Thank you very much. Very well put. Appreciate that. So we can say, okay, kids, start learning when we're talking to our conversational AI. I keep remembering the movie Her where uh, Scarlett Johansson mm-hmm. was the voice of the machine, and she was having virtual affairs, if you will, with everybody <laughs> she interacted with in the system, and the, the star of the movie got really, really jealous. He thought it was a one-on-one. What can I say? Piyush Chandra, I can give you as well 90 seconds. What's your prediction, Piyush? Um, so before I, I, I share my prediction, I, I want us all of us to take a step back and and think of what comes to our mind when we think of uh, conversational AI and machines talking. In my generation, or at least for me personally, two things come to my mind. The, f- the first one is uh, from Terminator, Skynet. Oh, that uh, the machines are talking to each other, they are smarter than human beings, and they're going to take over. And the second scenario is, is from Iron Man, Jarvis. Machines are talking, and uh, they are smart, but they are not taking over. They are there to help you. And both of these movies are, are blockbusters, and this is actually appealing to human emotion that, okay, there's either fear or there is, uh, uh, there is joy, right? So these are the two kinds of emotions that, are, that appeal really deeply for, to human beings. The future I see is, is, is yes, machines will be smart. There, there will be many, many more machines. There will be over, over 50 billion devices around us in just a couple of decades. That's a lot of devices. And if they're not smart, then what's the point of having those devices? So we want these devices to be smart, and we want a technology that can help these devices talk to each other and then also allow us to interact with these devices in non-traditional manners and non-traditional but natural, which is using our language, using our speech. So this is the future I see where we have many, many devices all around us, and we just talk to these devices, open my door, close the garage door, or uh, set the oven to 400 degrees. So all these, we should be able to talk to all these devices just by talking. And in a few years, we will be there. This is the future I see. Thank you. You know, I could have used a machine on um, Sunday morning at Sunday, Saturday night, 11 p.m. when one of my smoke detectors in my new house here started chirping. And I managed to climb up. I don't have a ladder on a step stool, then a bar stool. And tottering on that stool in my bare feet managed to disconnect the cover and realized it was hardwired. The chirping stopped. At 4.30 in the morning, it started again. I didn't know I had five smoke detectors. I had to call somebody to come over and pop out the 9-volt batteries because I didn't have a ladder. 
ladder. I know how to do that. I didn't have a ladder. If there were a bot that could have reset those batteries, oh, Piyush, oh, Sabir, I would have been in heaven and would have been able to sleep a little more. What can I tell you? We have had a really good conversation. I can't thank the two of you enough. We were on last Thursday on Internet of Things. Here we are on the future of the future with Game Changers. So Samir Patel, Piyush Chandra, I hope you'll stay in touch. We have so much more to talk about. We'll talk about maybe getting a series for you next year. And thank you to Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire, and uh, a shout-out as well to Brad Borkin, who sponsors the series at SAP, and Christine Evans, I uh, hope everything is well. So here's our call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, right now, just like Samir, just like Piyush, and hopefully just like me. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. I'll be back in one hour with a new episode live of Financial Excellence with Game Changers, one of our top drawing shows. So have a great one. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to The Future of the Future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.